0: Hey, page 73. We're on the topic once again. Don't capitalize his name, uh, Satan and demons. That's right. And once again, the exciting, incredible statistic is: there really a devil? 65% of people say absolutely not, which is crazy. And that's part of his tactic. He comes in and sneaks up on us, and we don't even think he's there. Okay, we blame it all on physical things. But as the scripture clearly says, not all things are physical attacks. They are spiritual. Uh, as well then we took a look at satan he is real we take a look well how did that happen we looked at his fall we looked at his cohorts one-third of the angels okay angelos in heaven rebelled with him and they fell too and that's his little army so to speak and what are they up to well thanks for asking ron it works well with our uh, notes here uh he does all kinds of evil things that's what they do he's the evil one and demons uh, uh oppose god they oppress the mind they oppress our bodies uh they alienate us from god they hinder our general welfare well how does he do that Well, as we saw before, this is the threefold battle that we face every single day. As we talked before, Christians, we are not just in a war. Okay, this is not a cakewalk, you know. As a Christian, we're in a war. But we're the only ones who have to fight a war 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day. That's right, Uh, 24-7. On a battle with three fronts, okay? That's from this wicked world system down here, okay? Oh, hey, what happened to the body? We were talking about bodiless things tonight. (laughs) body okay as we saw there but that was something busy okay then we got the world we got our flesh the old man's we saw last week and of course the devil or demons themselves direct attack that's our threefold front every single day this is what's coming against you to try to lure you away to try to pull you away from living in the realm of the spirits. okay and he does that uh very unfortunately uh, successfully but we saw the good news was guess who's sovereign guess who is not god is okay uh, but, and guess who therefore is not a loose cannon on deck and gets to do whatever he wants and god's up there going oh, i hope he just it's not gonna happen he doesn't he's not too mean to him and he doesn't mess things up too are you kidding me okay he only gets to do what god allows him to do read the scripture as we talked about was the good news okay but now we are at the bottom of page 80 and it says well what is our protection against satan and his demons he's real i don't care what the percentage says he is real or the demons a third of the angels they are real and you're really going to go through spiritual warfare every single day we talked about this before i think one of the things that he wants us to do as christians is to not just deny his existence we can acknowledge that the enemy is real but what he'll do is he'll get us to get to frustrated or discouraged or apathetic thinking that somehow someplace before we get to heaven we're going to somehow maybe achieve this uh, this bubble where the enemy will no longer mess with us or we'll achieve this plateau where we'll never have to experience this heat that's a lie it will never stop until we get to heaven but it's okay as we're going to see tonight god has not left us hanging high and dry he's given us his armor the problem is we don't put it on okay we'll get to that in a second as we've seen satan's very intelligent demonion that's what it means in the greek they're intelligent ones uh, and his well-organized strategy to wreak havoc with believers love those words wreak havoc. This is serious stuff. Okay But god has supplied us with the resources to stand against the satanic powers that seek to destroy us Underline that that's real. He's out there to destroy you to destroy you as a person He'd kill you if he could but praise god god's the author of life not him Okay, he's out there to destroy your testimony. He's out there to destroy your family He's here to destroy our family. He's here to destroy the church. He wants to destroy everything That's what he does in paul's letter to the ephesians believer he tells us how to stand against the schemes methodia methodology the methods of the devil and his use of the soldier metaphor is probably the result of his writing this paul writing this during his first roman imprisonment listen where he paul was chained to a soldier who guarded him how would you like to be that soldier huh you ever have somebody say man you do one of those nagging christians would you just shut up about jesus would you be quiet? can you imagine being chained to paul you were destined to be saved. You know what I'm saying? I got to think about that. Flip that around. Hey, wouldn't that be cool if, if, if uh, 20 years from now they say, hey, can you imagine working with uh, Ron Waxter? Man, I, you just had to be saved. It just, I, 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 well, could you imagine, Mario? I mean, every time he came over our house, Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, and I got saved. I just, that's the whole reason I came to be a Christian. I was chained to this guy. Isn't that the way we should be, Right? Wow, okay, and then if you read in, throughout the scripture, there is indications, as Paul says, oh, and those from Caesar's household say hello. So you know that people there got saved too. It's pretty cool as what's going on there. Okay, let's continue on. He talks about this. He says, Paul's command then is to be strong in the Lord, not yourself, the Lord, not your methodologies, in the Lord and the strength of his might. The verb here is the same form as to be filled with the spirit. As we saw that that means to be under the control of, literally under the influence of. As we saw before in that aspect, uh, if somebody drinks a bunch of alcohol, they're under the control of, under the influence of the alcohol. And Paul says we need to be under the influence of God. That's what this is up here. That's that sphere we've been talking about for three weeks now, is under the realm of the spirit. You need to be under the control of, okay? The present tense indicates this is something we must constantly do. Constantly. We talked about this before. This is why the Bible says it's your mind. Pay attention to your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Pay attention constantly. We use the analogy, it's, it's warfare that we are in. When, you, when you're in jungle warfare, are you out there yucking it up, lighting firecrackers, listening to radios? Hey, God! No. That's not what you do. You are constantly alert. You're looking around. You're paying attention. You're, you're focused every single step. That's what the scripture, we must constantly be on guard. We must constantly stay in that realm or he's gonna lure you out. As we saw it before, that's what he does. He wants to lure you out because he wants this to start being produced through your body. Okay, let's continue on. He says, that is, he's, it's a present tense. We must constantly do this. That is draw power from the Lord, the strength of his might, right there. You want to put a face to it? You want to put a face to it? Okay, I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm drawing on the power. It's in his might. It's in the power of the Lord. It's right there. That's the way you live. Every single day, constantly stay in there, stay on the things of God. Be consumed with the things of God. You're empowered because you're in the realm of the spirit. And when you're in the realm of the spirit and you walk, live, and keep in step with that, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You're not gonna give in to that temptation. You're not gonna be uh, able to be drawn out. Isn't that awesome? So here we have the enemies coming at us and Paul says, hey, all you gotta do is just stay in that sphere. You'll be okay. We just don't do it, do we? But that's his charge. Mm, Constantly, okay? Okay, the durative present tense is important. We must constantly appropriate, your first blank there, We must constantly appropriate power in this, our union with the Lord, since we need it all the time, lest at any time we be caught by the enemy. I was sharing with this uh, uh, again today with somebody we were talking about last time. We talked about temptation. You remember the the, the Greek word, the verb there, the deladso. okay? It's actually like a fishing term. It means to lure. Lure, he uses bait. The enemy baits you. You're in here having a great time with Jesus. It's awesome. You're just so focused with him. You're walking, living, keeping the step. It's awesome. And all of a sudden, he, throws, he casts a line and he lures you to come out of there. Don't do that. Don't fall for it. Stay in the realm of the spirit. He wants to catch you. He wants to snare you. The only way for us to fulfill this command is to be strong in the Lord is to fulfill the next command that Paul gives us. And he says, put on the full armor of God. Okay, all of it, not some of it, all of it, full armor, not a piece of the armor, all of it, which implies you need to know what it is and you need to do all of it. Okay, let's continue on. The verb "put on" is in the middle voice and can be translated "you yourself put on the full armor of God." I can't do it for you. Well, Pastor, preach that sermon on the full armor of God. Woo, I feel so. Sp- you need to put it on, and this is why I noticed it's funny. I remember one time I was a. Uh, doing an internship and this lady she was just that was her routine. She was reciting the passage here on the full armor of God Okay, and it's like it was some for, sort of a formula. Okay, this is not an idea. This is an action This is a verb put it on Okay, we're gonna explain what it is and I think that's our problem We don't know what it is. So we just go through this little ease, I put on the helmet of salvation You don't even know what it is, but you go through that ritual think, oh, how, How's that work? That's not what it is I think it's sort of the spirit, like, yeah, well, what are you talking, what, what is that? I mean, we'll see in a second, but we go through this ritual, like we're, no, it's not an idea, it's not a methodia, just a thought thing, it's an action, okay? And we'll see that here in just a second. This shows our personal responsibility to put on the armor. At the same time, we need to remember that the armor is the armor of God, okay? As we saw last week, it's not your methodology, Against the methodia of the enemy. I'm going to call you now. And the spirit of bubble gum. And I'll get you. And he tell you what. You're going to keep coming down. I'm bringing you. D- Don't recommend it. Stand fast in the Lord. You, you, you put his armor on. You just stay in that sphere. He can't touch you. Okay. That's what we're called to do in the scripture. It's God who supplies the armor. And as Peter says. His divine power has granted us. How much? Everything you need. He doesn't leave us hanging high and dry. There is no lack here. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a comfort? To know that it isn't just until we get to heaven that we can experience his perfect joy and peace and all the fruit of the spirit. We can experience it now. He's given us everything we need for that. It's just as the first blank says, we don't appropriate it, do we? Okay, let's continue on. Everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Paul then gives us a needful reminder. The battle that we engage in each day is of a spiritual nature. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan resides in the heavens, the uranas, the atmosphere, until he is cast down to earth in the middle of the tribulation period, Revelation chapter 12. Until then, he is the prince of the power of the air. We saw that before in Ephesians 2. In addition, they believe that this is, if you will, like a military ranking. Okay, uh, the ranking of fallen angels, rulers, Okay, that would be those who are of high rank powers are those invested with authority world forces of this darkness Express the power and authority which they exercise over the world Spiritual forces of wickedness describes the wicked spirits expressing their characteristic and nature Uh, And then daniel 10 13 talks about the prince of the kingdom of persia that opposes uh, 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 Michael, okay the archangel if you remember that passage there and it's not talking about the king of persia Okay, but rather the fallen angel under Satan's control He was a demon of high rank assigned to the chief of demons Satan to Persia as his special area of activity. Isn't that wild? That Satan's not only got this thing worked out Okay, and just like in a military, there's a chain of command. There is order. There is structure Which again as we saw before is it any wonder that he wants to then therefore create disorder? Individually or corporately as the church because when you're disordered you don't function correctly okay but when you're in order hey it works chain of command things get done boom 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 you get moving you, okay same thing but isn't it interesting how there actually is in this account okay an actual angel of high rank a demon okay a fallen angel over this country and i got to thinking gee i wonder what the demon is for america right now you ever think of that what high-ranking demon is over in in, in the, the the associated with the you know the rulers of Persia? What's going on here in America? I wonder what that is. Hey, let's bring it a look closer to home. I wonder what the demon is, the high-ranking whatever. And it's conjecture, we don't know. But just think about it, based on the scripture, here in Las Vegas. Wonder which one's the high-ranking one doing all that little thing behind the little sub guys and doing their little dirty deeds and stuff. Hey, I wonder if we got one for us. Aren't you glad the Scripture talks about, hey, we're not alone, even in that department? Hebrews chapter one, that uh, that God sends His angels to watch over us, those who are you know, receive salvation. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and praise God! Aren't you glad that there's uh, twice as many of God's angels than there are demons? Following us? Okay, do the math. Okay, let's continue on. Now, what is the armor of God? Okay, obviously Paul tells us the only way to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. is, is to put on the full armor. Again, I stress the full armor. That means all of it, not some of it. Don't leave any space undone. Don't leave any area of vulnerability on you. Put the whole thing on and he can't touch you. Okay? What's the use of just putting on the helmet if you don't put everything else on? Okay? Yeah, your head's okay, but what about the rest of your body? Put on the full armor of God. Okay, is what he says. It's extremely important for us to understand what the armor is, and how to put it on. And this will keep you away from doing some of those little Christianese things we do, and I can put on this, and I can put the belt, and whatever, and you have no clue what? what? You're not gonna, I'm sorry, you're not gonna benefit from that. You need to know what it is and what you're doing because it's an action, okay? It's not just an idea stuck in your brain. Okay, let's continue on. There are six pieces that Paul lists that make up the full armor we must put on to be prepared for what? This, this potluck of an experience. This stroll through the shopping mall till we get to heaven someday. Myrtle. Okay, Myrtle, that's a good West Midwest name. I got all kinds of, hey, I got an Aunt Beulah. Don't make fun of that. That's true, Beulah. I've never met another person with that name, but it's in my family history, and I'm proud of it. Let's close in prayer. No, let's continue on. A uh, battle is the word that's used there, okay? It's not a cakewalk. Uh, the full armor. So if there's six pieces to Paul uh, uses in the armor of God, how many of those pieces, for those of you hooked on math and who actually are paying attention, how many of those six pieces should we put on every single time? Hey, you guys are awesome. Let's see what they are. Uh, the uh, girding, the loins with uh, truth, the belt. Okay, the belt of truth is the first one. Okay, for a Roman soldier, the belt was a very important piece of equipment. A Roman soldier normally wore a long, free flowing tunic. Okay, how many of you guys wore that last week? Obviously, it was a cultural thing and whatever. So, uh, uh, and this would obviously get in his way, right? If he was in battle, how many of you guys would like to show up in a robe? I shall get you now, thee. Okay, well, that's what they did. That was the kind of their cool clothing back then. Okay, and, uh, but obviously get in his way, if he was in battle, which we're in, and it would hinder his movements, right? So he would strap a belt around his waist, then pull the loose ends of the tunic through it in order to keep it up out of his waist. So he basically would cinch it up and take the belt, right? And now his legs were free from if he had to run or fight and stuff like that, okay? That was what he, that's what he's talking about. Okay, in order to keep it out of his way. This prepared him for action and kept him from stumbling or being hindered by the tunic. Okay, let me give you a modern vernacular. You'll understand the importance of having to cinch something up. Otherwise, you're going to fall down at the least inappropriate time. How many guys have ever seen those, uh, those kids, teenagers? And they got these pants, man. And the pants are just dragging on the ground. What's that song? Pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with the pants on the ground or something like that. Remember that, right? Okay, so obviously, if you ever seen them, if, if uh, somebody's coming after them or they're actually attempting to run, what well they? They gird up the loins of those pants, don't they? They just pull them babies up so they can, it's like, okay. But anyway, so that's kind of a good visual of what's going on here. You need to pull them babies up so you can be ready for battle, ready for action. Although some believe Paul's referring to a believer's faithfulness, because remember, it's truth, belt of truth. Okay, and integrity here, it's more in keeping with the context. He's referring to the word of God as objective truth. That truth that we learn from a thorough study of God's word. It is this truth which prepares us and instructs us about sin in our life. You know, the things that are thrown before us to cause us to stumble. You know, the things that in our daily battle we fight against. The things that come against us. It's the word of God that strengthens that up okay it's the truth which uh prepares us and instructs us about sin in our life so that we may remove sin which hinders us okay hinders us in our spiritual warfare okay let's let's, let's define this a little bit more how many guys have ever been tripped up in your walk with jesus christ okay how many guys ever stumbled in your walk with jesus christ how many guys uh, just uh, uh, fell down on your face, so to speak, because you didn't know how to react to it biblically, or you didn't react to it biblically, or you weren't encouraged to react to it biblically? Well, this is what he's talking about here. You've got to get into the Word of God every single day. How do I put on the belt of truth? I just, I just, I just, I just cite it. I recite it every day, and I... And It's done. No, understand what it is. It means you get into the word of God every single day. This is one of the six pieces every day you and I as a Christian have to take action on. You've got to be in the word of God. Why? Because it cinches it up. It gets you prepared, ready for battle and you are protected. You are ready for action against all the stuff coming your way that day. That's the belt of truth. Notice again, that's an action. That's something you do. It's not something you just recite okay is what he's talking about there, and not thought about this in the context of the the analogy there every day that we christians lead the house without reading the word of god you might as well just leave the house singing that song pants on the ground pants on the ground fooled what how's it go acting like a fool with the pants on the ground because you're gonna fall that day you're gonna stumble that day you're gonna you know what i'm saying you just left the house, I'm sorry, as a fool, spiritually, because you left one-sixth of your armor at the house. You might as well wear those baggy pants. Spiritually, that's what you're doing. Second one is the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about there. As we've discussed before, there's two aspects of righteousness in regard to the believer. The first is positional righteousness. That's the righteousness that Christ imputed to us at the point of our belief, okay? Okay. It's on the basis of this righteousness that we are counted as holy, holy in our position before God, okay? If that is what Paul is referring to here, then the reminder of this standing, okay, would protect us against Satan, attempting uh, us to question our salvation and thus our worthiness before our loving father. Our position before the father is secure because it's on the basis of Christ's imputed righteousness that we stand before him as holy, okay? But here's the point. It's also possible that Paul's referring more to our personal holiness here. Okay? Uh, This guy writes, he says, the second aspect involves our personal righteousness. Now, this doesn't refer to our goodness. We don't have any of ourselves. The Bible says, there is no one good, no, not one. Romans 3. Instead, it refers to the righteousness and holiness produced in our lives by the Holy Spirit as a result of our growth in Christ and obedience to God. This is what we saw before—the progressive part of our sanctification. Let's put that great Christianese uh, phrase. Let's put a face on it. It's this phrase. It's right here. It's this world of living, right? That's holiness. You want? I want to be a holy believer. Well, then live in there. That's where holiness is produced. It's not you. We don't have the goodness. We got the spirit, but the spirit ain't going to happen if you're not living and walking and keeping the step of the spirit. That's what he's talking about there. Okay. As Honor states, as a soldier's breastplate protected his chest from an enemy's attacks. So sanctifying righteous living guards a believer's heart against the assaults of the devil. Holy living is one of the greatest defenses against Satan's attacks. All right. So every morning I got to put, I got to sit, I got to put on, I just got to recite belts of truth. No, no, you need to read the Word of God, okay, thoroughly. And, and by the way, you can read it more than once a day, right? Okay, number two, what's he talking about, this breastplate of righteousness? Well, it could be, you know, if we're going to get to this on the helmet of salvation. Maybe he's talking about uh, getting you to doubt your salvation, which will mess you up in the battle of life, right? Oh, right? You're not sure, you're not stable. Or if it's personal righteousness, that's pretty obvious, okay? How many guys would say that the battle, you're not going to last very long to battle, if uh, you, you, you have your gates up there, nobody can protect you, or you're completely protected, but then all of a sudden you open up the door and say, hey, come on in. Because that's unholy living. That's what's happening, right? If it's personal righteousness he's talking about, he's talking, don't do that. Don't live in this sphere. Here's your second piece you got to put on. Live in this sphere. Put that on. Personal righteousness. I am not going to open the door of the enemy at all. I'm going to stay and remain in the realm of the spirit. That's my second piece of armor that I need to put on. Holy living is staying in the sphere of the uh, spirit. Contrast that. Holy living is refusing to go fishing with the devil is what I got in my notes. Don't let him lure you out. Read the word of God. Stay walking, living, and keeping in step with the spirit of God. That's your second action. It's not mindset per se. It's like just reciting formula. It's not reciting a formula, it's an action. The gospel of peace, the sandals. In standing form, the Christian soldier must have sure footing. This comes from having on the right footwear. Because of our response to the gospel, we are justified. Justified. If I've never sinned, isn't that awesome? What a truth that that is. Uh, Or declared righteous before God and are at peace with him. When fending off one of Satan's attacks, the believer can trust his footwear because he stands on a firm foundation, underline this, an eternal relationship with God, okay? Understanding, folks, that that, that we have peace with God is helping you to stand firm, okay? The enemy's going to come at you. You've read the word of God. You're staying in that sphere. But if he starts to get you a chink in this armor, you don't realize that you have peace with God. As Paul says in Romans chapter five, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, you're going to start to buckle. buckle. You're going to start to quiver. You might again, start to doubt. And that's the enemy's greatest tool. He used that uh, in the Garden of Eden. What did he get Eve to do? To, did God really say... How many times have you been having a great time? You read the word of God. You're living in this realm of the spirit and all of a sudden this thought comes to your head. Hey, look at you. Look at what you just did. (laughs) God can't use you, Christian. And then maybe you don't start seeking God that day as much fervor because you're filled with condemnation. But the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Maybe you don't witness to somebody because you don't feel none of us are worthy of ourselves to witness but that's not the basis we have peace with God we're his ambassadors for Christ and you can keep moving forward but if you forget that and you don't acknowledge that's an action I have peace with God through Jesus Christ you're not going to buckle he is never going to leave us he's never going to forsake us I said this before but write this passage down Hebrews 13 5. And that's the passage we've talked about many, many times. It's one of my favorite ones in the Greek. Okay, if you really want to Greek out, this is a great excuse to do so. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is what the Greek literally says. For he himself, God, has said, and the statement is on record, I will not, I will not cease to sustain and uphold you. I will not, I will not, I will not let you go. That's what it says in the Greek. It's a double negative followed by a triple. It's absolutely phenomenal. We have peace with God. He's never going to leave us. I don't care this day. I'm reading the word of God. I'm standing here and I can stand firm because I got peace with God. He's here. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. I don't care what you do. I'm at peace. You can't mess with me. That's your third one. Every day to put on. If you want to stand firm against the Methodia, the evil one. But you still got three more to go. This shield of faith. Although Roman soldiers carried one or two types of shields, it is the larger one that is mentioned here. The shield was a very large oblong shield, some four feet tall and two and a half feet wide. So if you're my size, basically you're completely covered. Okay, this is the good news. Okay, you can't go anywhere because you got to drag it. But anyway, uh, it was used by the soldier uh, to, hide behind, to hide behind in protection from the arrows and the flaming missiles which the enemy would hurl at him. Okay, of faith, that's the genitive of content. The shield uh, consists of faith. Okay, is what's going on? It's faith. Now, now is faith just a feeling? No, it's, it's an action. It's something you do. You believe. You take God in His Word. You trust Him. That's an action. That's, a, I, I put on the, 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 the shield of faith. I just put... The... No, it's an action. Every single one of these. I cannot believe this enough. Every single one of these is an action. Something you do. You don't just recite some formula. It's something you do. Okay, we need to take God at his word paul points out that when the fiery darts of satan are shot towards us we continue to trust in god and what obey him okay because you can know god's word but you don't believe it you don't trust god and or you hear the word but you're not a doer of it you need to do it satan's tricks are neutralized by our trust in god and his word okay you can bank on let me give you some action steps on that one okay we've talked about this before but let me put some meat to this. Well, how do you do it, Pastor Billy? Okay, I got the word of God thing and, and, and the belt of truth and that's the Bible and I got this holy living thing and, and, and the breastplate of righteousness and I'm supposed to you know stay in that sphere and live a holy life for Jesus. And I, I get this peace thing, I got peace with God and I'm at peace because God's taking care of me he's never gonna leave me nor forsake me. But what, what, what's this shield of faith? Well, here's how it works. Let me give you some examples. Throughout any given day, what you can do and applying one-sixth of this armor simply just called the shield of faith. It's kind of combined with the last one, the sword of the Spirit. That's the Word of God. But listen to this. Okay, let me give you an example. Maybe you're having a great day with Jesus. You've done all the other ones. And all of a sudden, the thought goes to your head. Oh, no, the finances. What in the world are we going to do? What do you do? Well, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I built truth, sandals. Ta- faith. Combine it with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Here's what you do, okay? The Bible says this, Psalm 37, 35, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you're gonna abound in every good work. Philippians 4, 19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in, in Christ Jesus. There, I, you ain't moving, you ain't, the fiery darts didn't work. Ugh. You come back, you put it up with faith, applying the sword. Sword, that's an action it's not just something to recite okay let me give you another one maybe uh, uh again we talked earlier then he comes at you you're having a great day with jesus and all of a sudden you know he reminds you of that sin that christ had already long forgotten could be that day could be eight years ago but it's already forgotten but he comes and he torments you and all of a sudden you're just oh you start to freak out what do you do you a uh, shield of faith have faith, take God at His word, start applying it. Romans eight one. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, He's going to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103 12. For as far as the East is from the west, so far he's removed our transgressions against us. Micah seven nineteen, he will again have compassion on us. He'll tread our iniquities underfoot. He'll cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Hebrews eight twelve, for God will forgive all of our wickedness and remember our sins no more. Let me give you one more. Hopefully, you're catching on. You're having a great day. You're in this war with Jesus Christ. You've done all the other things. All of a sudden, somebody starts to persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you, threatens you. What do you do? shield of faith apply the word of god hebrews 13 6 so we say with confidence the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what can man do to me psalm 18 2-3 the lord is my rock my fortress my deliverer my rock in whom i take refuge he's my shield the horn of my salvation my stronghold i call to the lord who is worthy of praise i am saved from my enemies Psalm 27, 1 and 3, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I'm taking it by faith, shield of faith. Surely he's going to save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys midday. Listen, though a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Why? First John 4, 4 says, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the stupid, stinking world. I don't need to be afraid. You can't move me. I got the armor on, man. <laughs> Works a whole lot better than go, how I'll call you now, spirit of bubble gum, I tell you something. Take the armor of God every day of the week, man. Works every time. But see, the key is you gotta put the whole thing on. Because you leave one of these six off, you're vulnerable. You gotta know what it is, and you gotta put the full armor. He he stretches that several times. Okay, let's take a look at the next one: the helmet of salvation. Uh, that's the bronze and leather helmet of the roman soldier protected his head from arrows or swords paul's point here is either that the believer is as a result of his salvation presently safe uh from satan's uh attacks or that there is a sure future deliverance uh full salvation if you will uh from uh satan okay and we're going to get that on the last page if we get there how many guys have the shield of faith we're going to finish this chapter tonight Apply it. Do something. It's, do it. Okay, anyway, that's right. You know me too well, but that's right. Uh, uh, but anyway, let's go on. Uh, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that uh, maybe it's going to be when Satan goes in the, the lake of fire. We're never going to mess with him again. When we're in heaven or the new heavens, the new earth, that c- could be whatever. Um, uh, and, but again, it could be talking about uh, uh, your salvation. He's trying to get you to doubt your salvation. But again, you got the helmet on. Your salvation is secure. It's secure. You can't lose it because it's not yours it's his it's a gift you don't take gifts away otherwise it wouldn't be a gift okay it's a gift it's a helmet he can't get you he can't penetrate your brain he can't get you to out okay and, and, and again even if he's talking about satan's attacks and deliverance again we don't have to be afraid this is a cool thing right now in this passage you got to check it out it's titus okay 214 let me read to you what's the common uh uh Uh, when people memorize this that usually it's done in the king james and it says this he uh, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous for good works sound familiar now right how many guys realize in the christian life the moment you actually go outside your doors and you find at least one more christian and you certainly go to a church service that man the people of god are definitely peculiar yeah they really are okay that's not necessarily what he's talking about that's why i love the Greek. here's what it says for he gave himself for us that he might set us free from all our evil ways and make for himself a people of his own peculiar we think odd quirky i'm just looking straight ahead you know and uh that's not what's going on it's literally a people of his own literally a people of his own private possession. We are God's private possession, right? It's made up, this goes deeper. It's made up of two Greek words, okay, that they're translating here in the English, and that's uh, a a dot surrounded by a circle, okay? No, like that, this is just kind of cool, okay? It's a giant eyeball. No, Tom, you're thinking science fiction. Okay, really, this is the person, a people of his own private possession, and this is God surrounding us completely private possession now what that tells you and this it's absolutely amazing is that nothing can enter the sphere of our lives unless first going through god and then god says in romans 8:28, if he allows something even a challenge to enter into the sphere it's still for our good that's what he's saying it's absolutely amazing so we don't have to worry we don't have to be afraid helmet of salvation is he talking about salvation itself could certainly must be Okay, is he talking about salvation from the enemy and his evil attacks? Yes, but even before that day comes when he's chucked into the lake of fire, even now we are his own private possession. And when we understand that, that even if we go through this battle and something challenging goes our way, listen, it's still for our good. You haven't lost. You cannot lose in Jesus Christ. If he allowed it to enter the sphere, it has to be for a good purpose. And in that there is strength. I didn't say that he did There's nothing worse than going through the battle of life Before we get to heaven this side of heaven than thinking there's no rhyme or reason to our challenges and that there's no good in them. That'll bring you down That'll take the fight right out of you But when you realize The helm of salvation whether it is our actual salvation or one day that we are going to be delivered from satan and even now We're under god's private possession care Even if something does come through God allowed it for a good purpose. Okay, there's strength in that. The sword of the Spirit, which is, of course, the word of God. The Roman soldiers carried two swords, but this reference is to this short sword. It was primarily for defense, and Paul uses the Greek word rhema here, which refers to the specific word or utterance. Okay, an excellent demonstration of this is seen in Christ's temptation, where his uh, knowledge of the scripture allowed him to respond. He actually spoke it, okay, to respond to Satan's attacks with specific utterances appropriate for the situation okay he spoke it out and that's what i did with a kind of a combo effect with the two uh, uh uh pieces of armor there with the shield of spirit what would you do you spoke it you jabbed it with the word of god you put all this together guys we don't have to worry about nothing we are completely covered in the full armor of god in his strength and his might what can the enemy do to us no wonder the writer of Hebrew says <laughs> what can man do to me not afraid even if he uses something if you will evil to come against me and even take my life that's still under the sovereignty of god that's just the ticket he determined that i'm going to go to where heaven hey praise god we always come out on top but you have got to put all this on it's not an ideal it's i'm just going to recite this and it works no it's action and you have to understand what it is before you can apply it well how do i put that on in discussing the armor of god Um, we mentioned how to put it on, but let's talk specifically about this important step. Paul commands to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This means, first and foremost, we must submit, we must submit ourselves to him and his lordship if we're to have victory in our holy rebellion. Submission involves the attitude of humility. Underline that. Humility, again, as we've talked before in the rough Greek, the harsh translation, if you will, is to shave the top of the mountain off. That's what happens when you're humbled, isn't it? He just got leveled, okay? Okay, and that's what he's talking about. He said, this is why the two other passages related to standing against the devil emphasize the attitude of humility. Peter says, clothe yourselves with what? Humility towards one another. For God is what? Opposed to the proud. We've talked about this before. God, You got the whole analogy here with the sword of the spirit, the Roman armor, the soldier, the military, whatever, that opposed the proud there. That's a military term from God. It means God is in full battle array against you. Take that one on don't recommend it. You'll lose every time But how are you trying to take god on? How are you putting yourself in full battle array against god when you're full of pride? Humility is the opposite of that but he gives grace to the humble So humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in the proper time James commands almost identical. It's between these two sentences that He says submit therefore to god resist the devil and he's going to flee from you I got in my notes, a humble person is one who is dependent upon God. How do you know you're dependent on God? Every single day before you leave the house, you're doing every single one of these steps on the armor of God. I cannot leave home without it. Why? Because I am dependent upon God. A person who doesn't do that is a person who's independent on God. You are declaring your independence. I don't need him. I certainly don't need to do this all the time. And yet he says, you have to constantly do this. I say it all the time. I said before, people in counseling, here's the way out, here's what God says. And then I usually throw out this phrase, how bad do you want it? It's right here. I didn't say it. I didn't make it up. God said it. How bad do you want it? Because if you really want it, you'll leave here doing what he says because you're so sick and tired of your pants falling down to the ground acting like a fool. I usually don't say that part. anyway okay well maybe i'll start trying new technique okay we have to constantly do it the greek text gives us a key to how to put the last two vital pieces the helm of salvation the sword of spirit the manner in which the soldier takes up these last two pieces of armor the helm of salvation the sword of spirit is suggested by two greek participles praying okay and being alert okay praying When, when you pray to god what are you doing i'm declaring my dependence upon god i need god i can't make it without him I'm not, I'm not just giving my my uh, dependency that I there's certain things I need or requests or or or, or, or uh, Supplication or things of that nature. I, I just want to be with him. I love him. I want to talk to him That's a humble dependent person And that's also an activity that keeps you in the realm of the spirit because when you're praying where's your mind On God and being alert No goofing around we are taking this serious. This is a constant battle we're in. I'm not in the, the, the Vietnam jungles. <laughs> goofing off like that. This is serious stuff, man. I got the, I'm ready for action. Be alert. Constantly, always aware. Because the enemy is, he's constantly looking out for somebody to what? <laughs> he's a spiritual Charlie. Waiting to see who's goofing off. And he'll get you away from the herd and you're toast. Okay? And that's what he's taught. You need to be alert. When the enemy attacks, and on all occasions, Christians are to pray continually in the spirit, in the power and the sphere of the spirit, with all kinds of prayers and requests, suggest the thoroughness and the, listen, underline that word, intensity of our praying. And like reliable soldiers, they are, uh, are to be, be keeping alerts, literally, in all persistence. All right? So if you were given the honor of being the watchman in the military and being on guard on post and you were instead uh checking your text messages and watching the phone because now with the new 4g you can even watch television on yourself okay and the enemy came in and threw a in the camp well hey there would be no recourse We do that too. We always have to be praying. We always have to be alert. Always, always, always don't goof off in your walk with Jesus. And yet, what does the enemy get us to do every single day? Goof off. And we wonder why there's so many explosions in our walk with Jesus. Some final thoughts. In light of all that we discussed about Satan's effect on the world system, mankind in general, the Christians specifically, it's always important to keep in mind that Satan and his demons have a certain destiny. Yay! This is cause to celebrate. Okay, Through the career of Satan, demons, and fallen men, God is demonstrating to all the universe the nature and the end of moral evil. Uh, Demonic doom in the lake of fire uh, will both vindicate God's tolerance of demons. Why does he put up with it? What? We'll read the Bible. He says, hey, listen, he's not condoning this. He's only putting up with it because he's giving people time to respond to the gospel because he's not willing that anybody should perish. He doesn't like this. Kay? And he's going to have the last word. That's We're studying about prophecy. What's the seven-year tribulation about? <laughs> God's had it. Boom. Hammer's come down. Judgment day. I've had it. I haven't been sitting there idly by going, well. Uh, said, Paul says, you're storing up God's wrath in the day of evil. Take the way out through Jesus. Because we've each had a part of that, storing up of this wrath. Take the way out. But there's going to come a day, okay, when uh, uh, God is going to demonstrate before all created beings the exceeding sinfulness of sin and its inevitable punishment. There is a limit to it. Okay? During the great tribulation, Satan and his evil accomplices will be cast down to earth where they will make uh, a last futile attempt to seize control of man and earth. The opposition of Satan and his demons can be discerned in every era of church history. The unseen forces of evil will increase. Yes, it's going to get worse. The think it's bad now? We ain't seen nothing yet. If the Lord should and we're still here. And he's talking about spiritual warfare. It's going to increase their activity in the latter times. Culminating in the demon-inspired debacle at the Battle of Armageddon. I got Lord willing to talk about that on Sunday. <laughs> you don't want to be there. Uh, not until Satan and his demons are confined to the abyss, the prison, it's your last blank there, the prison of evil spirits, will the kingdom of righteousness and peace supplant the present satanic world system jesus christ is coming back at the end of the seven-year tribulation he is going to squelch the whole world that tries to take him on revelation 19 he puts the whole thing down at the battle of armageddon it's a bloody and it is save it for sunday it's a bloody mess bloody mess four feet deep 200 miles is the blood from that battle Jesus puts it down. Why? Because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's going to have the last word on this baloney that we're seeing today. And the anti-Christ kingdom, Christ's kingdom, is going to fall and it's going to fail Okay, and all those who took the mark of the beast and wanted to reject Jesus Christ, hey man, you're taken out of here and he's going to establish his millennial reign for a thousand years. He's going to renovate the planet to Garden of Eden-like conditions. Longevity of life for those who made it through uh, will continue on. We get to come back with him in Revelation 19. Of the sin We get to rule and reign with him uh, in, in our spiritual bodies, our resurrected bodies uh, in Jerusalem and it's just going to be awesome. I said it before, I say it again. And Bible prophecy reminds us of that. We shouldn't run from it. It reminds us of our future. It reminds us of Satan's future. So if I was Satan, I wouldn't want you to be reminded of that. Yeah, I, I hate to give it away. but I came across this quote, this researcher makes an awesome comment. He talks about, we're going to talk a little bit about the health care bill. Isn't that exciting? And what's really in that thing? Because it has to, believe it or not, it has everything to do with Bible prophecy in a couple different ways. We'll see that Lord on Sunday. But he makes this comment. He says, there's whole denominations and whole churches today that forbid preaching Bible prophecy. And he he says that because he's looking at these guys. How could these even so-called Christian politicians vote for this stuff that goes against our Christian beliefs? He says, because it's not being taught from the pulpit. And he says, but specifically Bible prophecy. Because if you know Bible prophecy, you're not, you can't vote for this stuff. But if you never talk about it, sounds good to me, Bob. And he says this. He says, which, by the way, is the official policy of communist China. You cannot teach Bible prophecy. Interesting. Hey, is it any wonder that our next uh, chapter, chapter 8, is the Christian life and future events. It's almost like that's an important topic to discover. Hey, maybe someday we can get into it here at Sunrise Baptist Church. Let's go ahead and, and close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's gonna happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done. What even we're going to do? He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law. To show us what he already knows, the Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this: "You shall not bear false witness." Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the the another commandment says, "You shall not steal." Okay, uh, and you might think, "Well, that's something that everybody does." Well, it doesn't make it right.